0: Good morning, Victory Midtown. I already know y'all are glad to be here by the way you were worshiping, so can you put your hands together for Jesus? One more good time. Come on, we want to welcome all those in the room, those online, those in the overflow. In here, can we make noise for the overflow right now? We thank God for you. Thank you for your diligence. Thank you for patience as we continue to navigate. Again, if you see a seat next to you, scoot in uh, because we are in here close and we are ready to worship today. Do this for me. Look at the person next to you say, yeah, we're sitting close, but I'm glad you came to church today. Come on, look at your second choice on the other side. Come on. Say, we're sitting close, but I'm glad you came to church today. Amen. Amen. We are so glad each and every one of you came to church today. And I want to just kind of jump right into this message by kind of taking a poll. Uh, By a show of hands, who in here, and even online, go ahead and do this, who in here has ever been offended by what someone said or by what they did to you? Most of the hands. Somebody said, of course, most of the hands. Now, for the few of you that are very dignified, I want to pray for the lying spirit to come out of you right now in the name of Jesus. No, really, I asked this question. Uh, Because offense and guarding from being offended is literally something that all of us have to navigate through. And as we've been talking from the beginning of the year uh, that we are looking to storm-proof our lives, this is a storm. This is something that comes at all of us. What we've been saying is that Jesus did not say, if storms come, you're going to need what I'm saying. He said, when storms come. And so the same way that all of us are going to go through storms in our lives that hit us directly from maybe what we think are unexpected places, I will tell you that opportunities to be offended are all around us each and every day. They're around you at home. They're around you at work. They're around you at the park. Some of you rode in with that opportunity today. Come on. And yes, some of you Even if you're not married or don't have kids, you get offended at yourself in the morning when you look at yourself. But with all of that, listen, you can even be offended in a glorious place where great worship is going on and we're lifting up the name of Jesus. You can be offended right here at church, especially because you come to a church like Victory. Where there are so many nationalities, so many different cultures, so many different races, so many different political ideations, so many different backgrounds, and even generations, there's going to be something that's an opportunity for you to be offended. But God wants us to know that in the same way that we've been saying that storms are going to come, he wants you to be able to guard around it and know that opportunities for offense will come. And he says very plainly in Luke, he said, even some of the opportunities to be offended, they're going to come in the form of people. The storms of offense are going to come in the form of people. I need you to do one more time. I need you to look to your neighbor real quick and ask them a question with a smile on your face. Say, are you a storm? (laughs) Now, some of y'all have been wanting to ask that question all week, all day. I'm just giving it, letting you get it out right now. Just letting you get it out right now. Listen, let me be clear. Opportunities for offense will come, but we have to be able to navigate it. And believe it or not, even you, which are saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Spirit itself, you even sometimes will unintentionally harm or offend other people. And so why am I talking about this in a series on prayer? It's because Jesus, he included this as a major aspect of what we need to deal with when he said, I want to teach you how to pray daily. Somebody say daily. He's telling us that every day, these things that I've laid out in the Lord's Prayer, as we call it, there are things that we need to employ each and every day we wake up. And so he said, if you're going to have an effective prayer life, where you're not just saying things and putting words out there and not having confidence that it's going to come to pass, I need you to give you the keys. I need to let you know what's needed to be included. And so in this effectiveness of prayer, let's go back through really quickly uh, what we are calling the Lord's Prayer what's called the Lord's Prayer, and we're going we're to recite it together. I'm not going to do the repeat after me. I want us to pray this together. So it's going to be on the screen. It's in the YouVersion Bible app, but let's follow along in Matthew chapter 6, starting at verse 9. We're going to start on three. One, two, three. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven. Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have been... our debtors. Pause, 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 pause. Listen, why why did I do that for y'all? Because depending on what ideology you came from, depending on what uh, denomination you came from, you see this line, you're like, trespasses, sins, debts. I don't know which one we're saying today. Which one we're saying today, pastor? We're reading from the NIV, the NIV. <laughs> forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. But I want to pause before we even go forth because, number one, in a multicultural church, y'all got rhythm together. So y'all did good, and we need to keep it, keep, keep it going. So let's go to the next line. It says, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now, as we read that, we've been hovering around those verses for the last several weeks. But what we see here is in the next breath, the very next breath, Jesus comes back and he reaffirms something. Let's read, starting at verse 14. Let's go. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Ooh. That's tight right there. So the focus for today and this message is that we are talking about forgive us our sins. Somebody say, forgive us our sins. 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 Now, before you kind of opt out and say, I'm not dealing with any present sin or I'm not living in active sin, I want you to humble yourself for a moment. Because all of us need to understand that if we can open our hearts and open our minds, this literally can be a life-saving message. Not because I'm preaching it, but because it's in the word and it's what God actually says we need to walk in. And so as we're navigating through this today and we say we are opening ourselves up to what God has taught us is the effective way to pray, we need to know that Jesus was giving us a blueprint of how we need to pray. And when he repeated this in verse 14, it's almost if he was like, I don't think y'all heard me the first time. He was coming back kind of saying, I've been living on the earth with y'all for 33 years. I know how you operate. I know you get a little petty. I know you kind of get all worked up about things that may not be worth being worked up. But I need to let you know that offense and forgiveness are very important factors in living a Christian life. And so remember, as we've talked about over and over and over again, Jesus said at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, if you get these things that I'm telling you and do what? Practice them. Not just hear them, not just keep it in a notepad, but if you do these things and you practice them, then you will be stormproof. Then you will be able to withstand when the winds and the waves come. So let's look at what Jesus is communicating. This portion of the prayer, it's this, it's heart-searching. It's sobering. It's vital to us to uh, to get today because if we're clear about it, he's saying, I want to talk to you about debts and I want to talk to you about sins. Now, I know this is not a popular subject because we want to talk about how God blesses us. We want to talk about all the good things. But he's saying, you need to understand how important it is for you to understand and put in the right place debts and sin. So in the Greek, this is in your notes and it's going to be on the screen. In the Greek, the word for debts is opalema. Ophelema. It means what is old. What is old. And it's used interchangeably with the word in the Greek, harmatia. Harmatia meaning falling short or sins. Falling short or sins. So I want to give us some sobering news when it comes to our relationship with God as it pertains to us walking in this dynamic. Because of God's rich mercy... Because he's so grace-filled, what we need to make sure that we keep at the forefront of our mind is that we have been forgiven much from a debt that we could never pay back. So much so that the only way that we could even ever meet up to what God did through his son is for us to operate in pure obedience. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't even have the ability to walk in pure obedience. Because I was born into a sin nature that allows me to have a bent toward sinning. But I also have the grace of God that gives me the opportunity to actually conquer through the temptation of sin. But what we need to know is that we have a sin dilemma in the world today. And this sin dilemma, what it is, it makes us understand this. Let's go to Romans chapter 3, verse 23. It says this, for who has sinned? For who has sinned? One more time. Who has sinned? For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet, I love that there's a yet in the Bible. God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. What this is simply saying right here is that we do have this sin dilemma, and the way that we know that we all have sinned is that none of us can match up fully to the pure obedience that God requires. Amen? But while we have debts against God, Jesus also wants to make sure that we're not just thinking about this and wanting grace from how we have debts towards him. He's saying, I need to teach you also that you need to be able to operate in a right way with debts towards each other. And this is the place where a lot of people get stuck on. And the debts that he's talking about and what we're going to hover around today is the word offenses or offense. 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 We've talked about this in the past before, but the word offense comes from a Greek word that is called scandalon. Somebody say scandalon. Yes. It's where we get the word scandal or scandalous, where you look at people with a side eye and you understand that there's something a little off over there. But the actual definition for scandalon is the trigger of a trap. The trigger of a trap is the impediment placed in the way causing one to fail or stumble. Have you ever watched those movies and someone kind of, they show a scene and someone's kind of preparing a little trap and they kind of hide the trigger under a leaf or something because they know, oh, they're not going to see this, but I need to trip them up unexpectedly. This is what the devil is busy doing. I know we don't talk about the devil a lot because we don't want to really give him a lot of credence, but I need to say this. There is a real devil and he is real busy. And his entire job description is to steal kill, and destroy. Now, I need to say that because sometimes we kind of operate passively when it comes to spiritual warfare, when it comes to how we operate in this thing, but I need to let you know that the devil hates you. He hates you so much when you're a child of God that he's always trying to put traps around trying to see which one is going to get them today. Are they done with that thing that they said they were actually delivered from, or can I still reel them back in? And some of us, need to know that the biggest trap of the enemy is him using your memory. He uses your memory. Why? Whenever you see yourself kind of conquering and, and moving into things of God and you see yourself overcoming things, there are times when the devil will say, I know I can't trick you up with anything new, so I need to remind you of what you used to do. And what we have to do is we have to be a people that say, no, 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 no. I'm not going to live in what I used to do. I'm going to live in the grace of God that is now. Somebody say now. And so this impediment, this thing that is placed trying to trap us, we need to know that the devil's main trigger for a trap is offense. And he uses people's words. He uses people's actions. Watch this. He even uses things that we make up in our own reality, believing a narrative that's not real. And we can be offended so much that we don't even realize that because of past things that we've gone through, because of things that we're currently going through, we will show up looking like offense. You know those people, they show up and you're like, man, why are you mad all the time? Party poopers show up and just the whole mood, the whole vibe changes because they have not dealt with offense. And now the very thing that was supposed to come to them and roll off of them, they've now ingested and now they're living it out and they're smelling like a fence. So as we look at this, we need to know we all, we all owe a great debt to God because we all, somebody say all, All. touch yourself right here on your chest right here and say, myself myself included, we all have sinned and fallen short. And so what we need to know, is, it's not even just about the things that we overtly say, overtly do, it's the thoughts, it's the things internally. It's the thing you said about your spouse or your friend that you would never utter out of your mouth, but you think it every day. (laughs) It's the thing that you are actually filtering someone through in a reality they can't even get past. And so as we look at this, we need to understand that the same way that we needed forgiveness and need forgiveness right now from the Lord, he's charging us to do the same with other people. And so let's take a moment to really understand what we have received so we can understand what we're supposed to give. When we talk about forgiveness, forgiveness is defined as this. This is our working definition today. It is to stop requiring payment of a debt that is owed, to release someone from paying back their wrong. It involves letting go of resentment, bitterness, and the desire for revenge. Right there, some of y'all are like, you lost me right then. But I need you to come on back. The Greek definition of forgive is to send away, to leave behind, to let go and release. Let me say it again. It's to send away, to leave behind, to let go and release. Do you know that you can never move fully forward until you let go of what's holding you in the past? And so this is what Jesus, through his sacrifice, did for us. And we shout about it. We're excited about it. We wrote a song about it. Want to hear it? Here it go. (laughs) But what happens is that we get excited about how God forgave us, but we turn the tables when we need to talk about how we need to forgive other people. We have two different soundtracks for when God forgave us for when we need to forgive somebody else. When we're now down in sin and we fall and we slip and we need God to forgive us, we cue Donnie McClurkin. Great is your mercy towards me. Your loving kindness towards me. Great is your mercy towards me. Day after day. I act like y'all don't know the song. Y'all know the song. (laughs) So we cue that one, but, but let it be the time where we're supposed to forgive. We go to our playlist, Young Thug, 21 Savage. We're like, kill him, Lord, and don't resurrect him. Kill him, Lord. You put a little beat behind kill him, Lord. Y'all know it's true. It's an unequal weight because we want to receive forgiveness, but we don't want to give forgiveness for real, for real. So, as we walk through this, this is a very serious subject, and we need to know that the reason sometimes that we don't really want to offer forgiveness to others is because we're really not clear about what it means to forgive. So, I want to quickly just kind of dispel some things because I want to bring us all in the same playing field. So, write this down. This is in your notes. There's a few things that I want to share with us right now. Forgiveness is not denial. It's not pretending that something wasn't a big deal. It's not kind of downplaying it and saying, "Oh, that's okay." Forgiveness is not approval. Saying what happened was okay. Now, I excuse you, you know, but it really hurt you. Now you can excuse something, but be real about how you felt about it. Forgiveness is not, listen to this. This is heavy. It's not reconciliation. Because forgiveness and reconciliation are two separate processes. I can forgive you, but to reconcile, there's some trust that's going to need to be built back up. I can forgive you, but it's not that I come right back in the same posture that I had you in before. You may not get that access like you had it when I forgive you. But I will forgive you because that's what God calls me to do. And here's the one that a a lot of people get caught up on. Forgiveness is not forgetting. Let me just say it like this. There is no such thing as forgive and forget. Now, I see some of y'all out there. Y'all are like, well, but Brother Pastor, you know, doesn't the Bible say in Jeremiah 31 that the Lord will see our sin and, you know, forget our wickedness never to remember it again? What did it say? The Lord. Can we be clear? I read my Bible and nowhere does it say Mo forgets those things that have been trespassed against them. It says the Lord forgets the wickedness never to remember it again. Because the reality is, as you look to forgive, you want to make sure that you don't just overlook the pain that was caused. Because if you never really deal with that, you'll find yourself in a cycle. And you have a form of forgiveness, but you'll still be harboring things. So what I'm really talking about today, and I'm going to just kind of give us some keys, some tools. I'm talking about adopting a lifestyle of forgiveness, a lifestyle of forgiveness. Where forgiveness, it actually works in both ways. It works in every tense, past, present, and watch this, even the future offenses. And so let me give you three things that there's a lot that I could say about this, but I had to whittle this down to some main components of what we need to grab if we're going to live a life of forgiveness. Forgiveness. But before I jump into even the first point, I need to let you know just a little bit of a plot twist, that before we can actually start talking about forgiving other people, we have to deal with how we've offended God. And so the first thing that we need to know is that we need to, number one, confess my offense. I need to confess my offense. Now, let me make this very clear, because theologically, you even need to realize this. What Jesus is talking about in Matthew chapter 6 is not salvation. When we're praying this, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, in this component, he's not talking about salvation right here. Watch this, because he's assuming you're already in the family. How do I know that? Because at the first verse of the Lord's Prayer, he says, our Father. You can't say our Father if you're not in the family. So he's saying, our Father which art in heaven, It's almost as if you're in the family, but you don't have all the benefits of being in the family. Let me say it like this. I I recently took a trip, and you know if you travel and you actually get an Airbnb, there's stuff that you can be in a nice home, but there's some closets and some pantries that you need a password to. You're in the house, but you go to open that one thing, you're like, there's something good back there. Jesus is saying, I want you to be able to experience the fullness with all the passwords, with all the access, nothing missing, nothing broken, that you get everything. And so as we look at this, we are in the household of faith, but we need to understand this measure of grace that has been given to us. Why? It's so crucial that we understand grace, because if we don't, we will act like religious people and forget where we came from. If we don't, we will act like those who don't remember when we needed forgiveness. As we go back and just even remember the story in Luke 7, I'm not gonna read the whole thing, but in Luke 7, there's a story about Jesus when he visited a religious leader's house. His name was Simon. And he went in there to eat, and while he was eating and getting ready, there was a prostitute that came in, and she started to wipe his feet with her tears and wash them with her hair. And Simon, he started to get a little perturbed, he started to get a little offended. And you know how you have some people in rooms, they're looking at you. They're not saying anything, but you know they're thinking something devious. This is what Simon was doing. He he said, if he really was a prophet, he would know who was actually at his feet. And the Bible says Jesus absolutely knew who was at his feet. Some of us may immediately say, oh, yeah, there was a prostitute at his feet. No, Jesus said, here is someone who has been forgiven much that's at my seat. Here is someone who knows the measure of grace who is at my feet. And so let's pick up in Luke chapter 7, verse 47, where Jesus says this. He says, and he's talking to us. He's talking to Simon then. He's giving us a key. He says, I tell you, her sins, and they are many, they have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love. But a person who is forgiven little shows only little love. What he was saying right here is that You give forgiveness at the measure in which you know you've been given forgiveness. You give love at the measure in which you have been given love. And so as we look at this, we're we're really trying to understand, God, what are you saying? Because, again, we don't want to be those religious people who forget what happened when you were caught up in sin. What happened when the sexual addiction had you bound? What happened when the alcoholism had a hold on you and you couldn't get past it? What happened when even in your justified manner you had your little card and everything that the herbs had you? We need to understand that grace and mercy is what kept us. And so this posture that we need to have is one we need to uh, pray through daily. Somebody say daily. daily. We need to say, God, I know I've sinned so much. That I thank you that you have given me your grace, and the posture that I have is one of humility because I'm very aware of what I have done. I know I have personally offended you, and I won't forget how you handled me because if I forget how you handled me, then I'll be given an uneven scale. And so, what we have to do is that we have to confess our offense towards God and truly receive his forgiveness. Now, why am I slowing down for a second to talk about this? Because there's a scripture that really gives us a key to how we need to walk. And many of you have heard it before, but let's go to 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. This is the key for us. It's a key for us. It says this, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. That's so important because it ties in to even the writer in Hebrews when he says, when we give our lives to Jesus, when we accept Jesus, it's as if Jesus sprinkles our hearts and makes them pure and white and allows us to go forth without condemnation. And the reason why I'm bringing this up is because even when we know these scriptures, we hear them in church, a lot of us don't pray like this. We pray and we say, yes, I'm forgiven, but we stay right there. Where we need to understand that, no, I don't just go into his presence as a sinner. I go in understanding I'm forgiven and I'm in the family of God. Let me say this again because this is so crucial. This is something that I really labor in prayer about for anyone who's connected to us is that once you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you are in the family. I'm pausing for a minute because condemnation is what So many people miss the mark in because you think because I did something else and I messed up again, now I have to go get saved all over again. God is saying, once you accepted Jesus, once you repented, yes, you will never be able to pay all the debt back, but I give you grace to overcome this sin so you're not going back into the same cycle over and over again. But once you've received me, you are in the family. And so with being in the family, we need to now walk in humility Walking in humility that says, I've said this before, God, I know that I have the juice. I know that I'm good in your presence because of your presence, but I know where my power comes from. I am not g- getting it twisted that I'm doing this in my own ability. That's humility. And so the usage of this word in this scripture that we're talking about is debt. Somebody say debt. Debt, debt is defined as a loan that is rightly due but it's so large that it is unpayable. It's like bankruptcy. It's like a debt that you could never get no matter how many payments you made. But this is what I need us to know. Jesus paid it. Jesus paid it. And and what I know is that we're in churches sometimes and, you know, we hear that and we say that we kind of just do that. Yeah, Jesus paid it. But can we bring this to light as if it was something that we could actually feel in our pockets? Jesus paid it in the same way. It's like if you owed all the creditors in the world, if you had a mortgage that was three months past due, if you had a car note that you couldn't pay, and you know every single day they are calling you and calling you and calling so much so that all, everybody's numbers is on d d now. You're scared to answer the phone except before your spouse. He's saying you could have all those things going on, but Jesus is saying I have paid all of that, and I have made you free. Can we take a moment and give God praise for his forgiveness? Come on, can we do better than that? Can we take a moment and say, God, I thank you because I realized how bad off I was. God, I won't just come in here and casually worship you. I will lift my hands because I know where my help comes from. I will praise you out because I know that I would be in sin without you. I will give you all the glory and all the praise because you are worthy of it. So this is what happened. He, he forgave us. And when we know this, we start to walk in a different posture, and now we can connect our hearts with God. Let me give you an example of how someone connects their hearts with God and how you live in this posture of thanksgiving. There's a man called David, and we know him in the Bible as one who even Samuel said that he was a man after God's own heart. And what I love as you even look at him, at as, as his example, even the posture that he was in, if you have read your Bible, you will look at the things he did. You will look at his shortcomings and say, how in the world could he be called a man after God's own heart? Watch this. It's because he understood his posture. Psalm 51 says this. This is David speaking to the Lord. He says, have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love. Because of your great compassion, blot out the stain of my sins. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify my sin, for I recognize my rebellion, and it haunts me day and night. Against you and you alone have I sinned, and I have done what is evil in your sight. You will be proved right in what you say, and your judgment against me is just. See, this is a man who said these things after he knows that he offended people, after he had somebody killed. But this is also a man who's speaking in a way that knows that offenses were brought towards him, that he was betrayed, that even his own son turned his back on him. But what he's doing right here, he's called a man after God's own heart. Why? Because he knows that he has to be fully relying on God. And in him being fully reliant on God, he also is in full touch with his humanity, knowing that he could never reach God's position of authority if he doesn't actually operate in grace. And so as we understand this, we start to walk with a confidence. We start to walk with a humility. But we walk with a reliance on God. Amen? Amen? So the second thing that we need to understand if we're going to actually live a lifestyle of forgiveness is we have to release their offense. Release their offense. Now... This is the place where it gets a little hard. This is the place that even as I was praying through this message, as I was writing some things down, as I was processing and praying with the Lord, I knew that we were going to have even a little bit of spiritual warfare that we had to contend with. But what I need us to know is that it says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 12, And forgive us our debts. How? As we forgive our debtors. So in a room like this, I know that there are people in so many different places that now we start to rationalize. And we start to say, well, pastor, you don't really know what I've been through. Pastor, I know that's for that over there. But to this extreme, I could never forgive this person. And so what we need to know is that we need to know something that I had to come to grips with even years ago through counseling, through walking through a process of saying, Mo, your emotions are real and they're valid. Your emotions are real, and you need to deal with it. What happened to you is a real thing, and what I'm not telling you to do is actually dismiss it like it never happened. So let me take a moment and just slow this down for a minute because this is a critical mass. Because as I said earlier, this message can save your life because many of us are walking around offended, and we will never be able to see the grace of God how he wants us to. So let me just slow down and say this. They did steal from you, and you did feel that. The molestation, the violation, even the rape, it did happen, and you're still dealing with the trauma. They did intentionally sabotage you. And now you're left picking up the pieces, and you still have not felt like you've been able to rebound because you keep replaying it and replaying it and trying to get over it. And you don't know if you will ever make it over that particular thing because of what they did. They did cheat on you. And they broke your trust. And it was something that was real, and you didn't deserve it. No, you didn't. even if you feel like you've, you've kind of convinced yourself that you've done something to warrant that, no, you did not. And for some, I need just to say that somebody made a real mistake, a sincere mistake, but it still hurts you. So just because it was a mistake does not mean that you didn't actually feel it and that you didn't have to process through it. And so I'm not rushing through this in a moment. As a matter of fact, what I know is that there are stories of breaches all around this congregation and online. And so if you would, allow me just to go to prayer for you. Can you lift your hands right now? Father, I thank you right now that even as we're hearing this message, this is not just some sermon just to run through and to get some notes. God, I thank you that this is a life preserver in the spirit. Father, I pray right now for each and every person in here who have gone through trauma, who have gone through things that people did to them, and they are living through that pain each and every day, and they feel like they can't get over it. Father, I'm praying right now that their hearts will be open, that they're not shutting down, that the enemy will not win, that their hearts will not be hardened, but this word is going deep down into their hearts to be transformative, to be life-giving, so that we can all receive the grace and walk in the fullness of what you have for us. God, I'm praying right now that we tap into the super of your supernatural that we couldn't do this on our own, that we cannot heal ourselves, but we need your Holy Spirit to heal us, to deliver us, to set us free. So God, remake us again. And for the rest of this message, allow us to hear with open ears, with open hearts, that your seed will fall on good ground. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 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 Here it is. It's tough to deal with real things that happen. And unfortunately, what has happened sometimes in the big C church is that sometimes we try to minimize things and tell people, just have some more faith. Just faith it away. But I need you to carry this on. The Lord just kind of spoke this to me. Faith is not pretending something didn't hurt. Faith is believing that God can heal the hurt. Let me say that again. Faith is not swerving it, diminishing it, putting it down. Faith is not acting like the thing didn't hurt. It is believing that no matter what I went through, that God can heal the hurt. And so rather than focusing on the oppressor or or the person who actually did this, we only can actually do what we can do in ourselves. Because the same way that God forgave us, even with the extremes of what we might be going through in our minds right now, we have to be able to know that we have to get in a place where we're able to forgive other people. I'm slowing this down on purpose because this is not a casual conversation. As a matter of fact, I just need you to take a deep breath right now. Come on, everybody in the room, just take a deep breath. Take one more deep breath. Come on, we're not rushing through this. This is what I want to ask. If God forgave you the same way you forgave others, how would that work out for you? Because the reality is that we have to be sober about this because he wants us to live through this. Here's a quote that I believe sums this this up. It says, Christian forgiveness does not call us to forget but it allows us to remember while calling us to the end of the cycle of revenge. I'm going to say it over your heart and over your spirit one more time. Christian forgiveness does not call us to forget, but it allows you to remember while causing us to end the cycle of revenge. Jesus talks many times in the Bible about uneven scales of forgiveness In Matthew 18, I'm not going to go through the whole thing, but he talks about the fact that in layman's terms, we would say that a man was forgiven of a billion-dollar debt. But then he turns right around, and he goes and chases somebody down who only owed him $20,000. And what happens in that moment is he's called out, but he's saying, how can you not give this person the same credence you were given? How can you not give this person the same mercy that you were given? We have to understand that, yes, we went through real things, but we also serve a real healing God. Come on. We've gone through real things, but we serve a real healing God. I know this is triggering to a lot of people, but God has said, I will not let the devil keep tripping you up over the same trigger. Because he's not telling you you won't remember those things. Remember, we're not talking about forgive and forget. He's saying, I want to take the authority from the enemy as he's been tricking you up all these times. And so as we look at this, I need us to just lean in for a moment. Come on. I know it's know, I know a lot. Lean in with me for a moment. Lean in. Come on. You've been leaning the whole time. Let's keep leaning. <laughs> Listen, if you think that you could ever earn God's forgiveness, that means you never really understand forgiveness. Because if you think you can earn forgiveness, what you'll do is you'll try to make other people earn your forgiveness which actually means you don't understand forgiveness at all because you'll keep on trying to do this, keep on trying to do this. And here's the question that I have for you. If the quality of your life was solely based on how you forgave yesterday, what would your today look like? We have to ask ourselves that sober question because, yes, we have real feelings, but we also have to release people from that debt. So here's what I want to say hurt people hurt people. And I believe that in this room today, God sent me on assignment to end the cycle of hurt that will continue to perpetuate from one person to another, waiting for an inopportune time to strike up and be a trip up for you. Does anybody receive that right now? Come on, let's lift our hands right now. Receive it in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you. Come on, this is not church as usual. Father, I thank you right now That we are releasing the debts of those who have been those who have come after us in wrong. And God, I thank you right now that with those same hands that we release, we receive your goodness. We receive your grace. We receive your love. We receive your empowerment. And we receive your intention for us in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hear this, hear this. And I'm going to kind of pull this in, but this is so crucial right now. Lewis Smee says this. To forgive is to set a prisoner free only to discover that the prisoner was you. See, some of us don't understand that we've literally been navigating and walking with multiple people on our backs. Because when you don't release somebody from a debt, You're not killing them. You're not hurting them. You're actually hurting yourself. There are stats that literally say 61% of cancer patients actually are found to have unforgiveness in their hearts. Unforgiveness is at the root of depression, of anxiety, of a low immune system. And you're thinking you're punishing them by not forgiving them. And what you're doing is you're killing yourself. And I'm not talking about something I don't know that I haven't experienced. As I was going through this message, I was like, God, you have tested me in this. I have had time after time where I was warranted to feel a certain way, but I had the choice of whether I was going to feel that way or not. Why? Because just because an offense is thrown out does not mean you have to catch it. Just because a trap is laid does not mean you have to step into it. And so as we're talking about all these things, I want to let you know that I want you to be free today and God wants you to be free as well. And so the last thing, the last key that I want to give for today, if we are going to be people who live a lifestyle of forgiveness, is that we have to prepare to resist offense. We have to prepare to resist offense. Why? Because opportunities, again, opportunities for offense are going to be all around us each and every day. The Bible says the enemy is lurking around, seeing who he may devour. And so if we're not careful, what we'll do is we'll go into places ignorant, knowing that the thing is out there for us. So let me give you a major key to resisting offense. Y'all want to know what that major key is? Come on. Y'all want to know what that major key is? (laughs) Does this side, y'all really want to know what the major key is? Let me tell you, it's a huge secret. Stay home. stay home. Well, some of y'all that's married and have kids, you still might get offended. But I'm joking about it. I'm making it light. But the reality is it's everywhere. But there are some things that we can start to do to prepare ourselves so that we don't go out here unknowingly falling in the traps that are set for us. And so I want to give us just as we close, I want to give us just some practical things now, some practical things that we can do to make sure we resist offense the first one number one is that we have to look in the mirror before out of the window we have to look in the mirror before we look out of the window what does that mean you have to ask yourself is there a spirit of offense on me am i walking around offended by what somebody said now i'm always seeing them through that lens never giving them the benefit of the doubt is there an insecurity that I have that I really don't want to deal with, but that's what's making me respond in the way that I respond? Is there pride in me that needs to be checked? Yeah, even church people have pride, y'all. I told y'all a couple months ago that the Lord was dealing with me while I was in prayer one day. He's like, you in here lifting your hands, you're praising me, but you're not nice at home all the time. I know you're carrying a lot. I know you're leading with people and you're doing these things. You have responsibilities, but you can be nice. (laughs) Stop operating in pride. Number two, we have to examine our expectations. Examine our expectations. Do we have unmet expectations, which are usually unmet because we have not voiced them? Do we have unrealistic expectations? Probably because we're actually dealing with expectations that were built around a fairy tale 20 years ago. Do we have unspoken? Do we have unknown expectations that we want people to respond in that we have never voiced? And number three, we have to be able to be those who have courageous conversations. Courageous conversations. This means we need to be able to trust and actually choose to trust over choosing to be suspicious first. We have to be those who don't assume but give people the benefit of the doubt until they leave no doubt. That's important. I'm not saying be ignorant. I'm saying but choose to give people the benefit of the doubt. We have to be those who confront, watch this, quickly. What I'm not saying is be a confrontational person. Because there's some people, some of y'all are waiting for Monday to come because somebody didn't speak to you on Friday and you're waiting to give them the shade. We have to choose to confront quickly so that we can actually bring things together. And then lastly, we have to choose forgiveness now. Which means before you even get out of the bed, sometimes before you even speak to your spouse, you can open your eyes and say, God, I choose to operate in your character. God, I choose not to be offended. God, I choose to give the benefit of the doubt. Why? Because many of us, we go around, and if every single person you're dealing with is the problem all the time, there's a common denominator. What's that common denominator? You. And so it's not always that all these people are doing these things, but we have to work on ourselves and give room so that we are making sure that we choose forgiveness. Now, listen to this. Don't wait until you get into a battle to figure out how you're going to fight. Choose ahead of time and say, I'm not going to let that thing. I know usually I go into this environment and they usually have this to say. I'm going to be fortified in the spirit. I'm going to walk in love. And sometimes I'm going to choose not even to go into those environments. So this is what I want to do. I want to close like this. I want to close with actually walking us through a prayer of forgiveness in a moment. Because this is not just this one-stop shop thing. There's a process for some of us that still need to walk this out. And as we look at this, we need to, again, just because the offense is offered up doesn't mean we need to grab it. But here's what I want to do. I want to validate some things in a moment because I realize very clearly that in this room, online, in the overflow, there are some people that you've heard this whole message and you're like, but you don't understand. God, they violated me. They molested me for three years and they need to go to jail. You're holding on to certain things, trying to get someone to pay for something, thinking that you are gonna be the one that gets vengeance. But I want you to hear this particular quote because I think this will set some of us free if we really take it in. Philip Yancey says this. At last, I understood in the final analysis, forgiveness is an act of faith. By forgiving another, I am trusting that God is a better justice maker than I am. By forgiving, I release my own right to get even and leave all issues of fairness for God to work out. I leave in God's hands the scales that must be balanced, justice, and mercy. What he's saying right there is, yes, there are some people that need to pay for what they did. There are people that even if they ask for forgiveness, there are still sometimes consequences to things that were really valid. But what I want us to be able to do is to release ourselves from the burden of us trying to make that happen. Because you will walk around, inhibit it into the things that God wants you to walk in because you're a prisoner of a past situation. I want you to bow your heads for a moment. The first thing I want to do right now as we get ready to close is you will never be able to give forgiveness unless you've received it. And so I want to pray for those who heard this message and said, in my own ability, I know that I can never forgive. And I couldn't do it because I don't have Jesus working in me to give me the power to do it. But if you're in here today and you want Jesus to become your Lord and Savior, if you want his empowerment, if you want his help, if you want your eternal life even to be secure, and you want to experience real forgiveness, just throw your hand up in the air while everybody's head is bowed. I see those hands all over the room. If you're worshiping online, go ahead. Put your hand up right now as a sign of faith. You guys can put your hands down. I'm going to pray with you in Victory Midtown. We're going to pray together. Say this prayer. Say, Jesus, thank you for fighting on my behalf. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sin. Today, I accept your sacrifice. I accept your forgiveness. I repent of my sin. Which means I turn away from my way of doing things. Come on, I turn away from my way of living. And I turn towards yours. Holy Spirit, I'm asking for your help. To help me be one who is forgiven and who forgives others. From this day on, I can confidently say that I'm a child of God. And I will live that way amen this last thing that I want to do this is for everybody they're going to put something on the screen I'm going to walk us through a forgiveness prayer it's going to be on social it's going to be online because this is something you're going to need to keep and carry with you so that you can rehearse it because you're going to get offended again and so as I walk through this there are places to put that person's name before I start to pray it go ahead and put that person's name in your mind the only way that you'll be healed is if you reveal what God has actually processed you through. So get that person's name in your mind. Get that offense in your mind because we're going to deal with it right now. Follow along with this prayer with me and just receive it. It goes like this. God, I repent for withholding forgiveness from that person. Put that person's name there. Today, I make a decision to forgive them of the offense. You may need to name and put that offense right there. Father, when they did this, it made me feel this particular way. God, I no longer want to carry this wound. Today, I make a choice to give you the pain and I lay it at the foot of the cross. I hand this person over to you and choose to allow you to be my justice maker. Now, here's another dimension of faith right now. This is where we understand real forgiveness. I pray your blessings upon this person. Come on. I pray your blessing upon this person. Even if I don't feel like it, I pray your mercy upon this person that they will have an authentic, personal, and growing relationship with Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Bring healing to their heart, their mind, and their body. Surround them with your love and grace. And right now, I receive. Can we all, one more time, lift our hands? This time in an open posture. Come on, open posture. Right now, I receive the gift of joy, hope, peace, and love that is found in you. Thank you for continually healing my heart in Jesus' name. Keep those hands lifted. Father, I thank you as shepherd, as pastor of this congregation. God, I'm coming to you asking for mercy. I'm coming to you asking you that you heal the hearts in this room. I'm asking God that we do not operate in the cycle of unforgiveness anymore. But we didn't hear this message as just a sermon. But Father, you are changing us. You are transforming us. You are opening us up to the new possibility that you have when we walk free. God, I pray for the person right now who has been stuck for years because of what that person has done. I pray for the person right now that sometimes even has night terrors seeing that person's face. God, I pray for deliverance. I pray that you reverse the curse that we've been operating in for a long time, that we have harbored unforgiveness for far too long. But this day, God, we place a line in the sand in the spirit. And we say that our future generations will be free because we're declaring that we're free. We're saying that our children's children won't walk in offense because we are saying we give freely what we have freely received. Father, I break the curse of depression right now. I break the curse of unforgiveness right now. I break every ill intent and every narrative that has been placed over the lives of your people because of unforgiveness. And we say in this place, who the Son has set free is free indeed. Who the Son, has set free is free indeed. Who the Son has set free is free indeed. Somebody needs to praise God right there. Who the Son has set free is free indeed. Somebody needs to get free right now. Who the Son has set free is free indeed. I won't rationalize what they did and, and make it warrant me operating in unforgiveness. I won't hold on to their weight and live through it as mine. Hallelujah! Come on, one more time. Just lift your hands right now. Just lift your hands. Jamal, let's just minister over congregation for a moment. The peace of the Lord is here. The grace of the Lord is here. The strength of the Lord is here. And he is the healer.
1: He is the healer. Yes, he is.
0: Come on, we don't need to rush through this moment. Some people right now, this, the rest of your life depends on you actually fully accepting the healing and the unforgiveness that you've harbored now being released.
1: Healers in the room. There are the healers in the room. Receive it, receive it now. Receive your healing. the healers in the room right here right now all the healers in the room all the healers in the room right here and right now the healers in The healers in the room. We believe for our healing. For the healers in the room. For the person who's been we operating with the facade of toughness. For our healing. For You've been operating in that place in because,
0: because it's been a defense room. mechanism.
1: We believe.
0: But God is saying you can, trust me. He the said, the you can trust me. He's saying you, he you can trust me. He's saying you can trust me. He's saying, showing emotions is not a sign of weakness. Showing a release to me is not a sign of weakness.
1: It's actually a trusting in me. Oh, you can trust me. For if he dresses the lilies with beauty and splendor, how much more will he clothe you? How much more will He clothe you if He watches over every sparrow? How much more will He love you? How much more will you? more will he clothe you and if he watches over every spiral how much more does he love you how much more does he love you hallelujah I'm to ask
0: some of our prayer leaders to come down front but hear me Even as a prayer leader, if you're still dealing and God is still worshiping or uh, managing, you're navigating through this, continue to receive from the Lord. But I want our prayer leaders to come down front, those who are able. Too many times in our lives, we've just skipped over things that God wants to change in our lives. We've allowed it just to be a moment that we operate in casually. And so we're going to close in a moment and release in a moment. But after we release, we're going to just play quietly. You don't have to rush out of here because God is still dealing with some people. But there are some of you that even as I started to talk about some of the things, you need to touch in with someone. You need someone to pray for you. We have resources even for those who have walked through trauma. We want to be able to point you in a direction and walk with you. And so if we could, go ahead and just stand up on your feet right now because there will be some people that need to to head out. Here in September, we'll actually even be having Forward right here at Victory Midtown as a resource for us to be able to walk through where you can deal with some of the things that you've navigated through because God does not want you to stay stuck. He wants you to move forward. So after I dismiss we need, to, we need to hold the doors for a second, Davis. We need to hold the doors for a moment, and then they will give you a cue of when we need to release. But let's not make this a regular day, amen? Let's walk into things that God gave us. Let's really receive what he did for us today, and let's carry it out for the rest of the week. So lift your hands, Father, in the name of Jesus. We thank you right now. We surrender our hearts. We surrender our minds. And we say thank you for being God. Thank you for being so merciful to us. Thank you in the way that you forgave us. Let us embody that same forgiveness to other people because the way we are forgiven and how we operate is connected to how we see and how we forgive other people. So we love you. We bless you. God, I declare that we will live and not die, that no longer will we go in a cycle of offense, but we will move forward in strength and power and authority. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen and amen and amen. Take a moment, take a moment, take a moment. We're going to let the doors out in just a second. But again, if you need to come down and see a prayer leader, you can come down and we'll be able to pray with you. And we look forward to you having a great week. God bless you, victory.